If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Detroit City Cast with Dan Leach, presented by Bet Rivers. And welcome in, fine citizens, for the final time this season. A little postscript on the Michigan Wolverines. So much to get to. Before we do anything, though, I want to take a quick trip to the Motown betting window. Uh, brought to you by our great friends at Bet Rivers. We've got four final four, or excuse me, four Sweet 16 games on Friday. I'm going to give you the spreads on all of those and my picks and leans. We'll start with St. Peter's Paul and Mary against Purdue. We talked about this game a couple days ago, and we talked about it with Troy Mocker as well from Bet Rivers. I have no clue. How St. Peter's beat both Kentucky and Murray State. And and yes, there's always upsets, but St. Peter's, not from a great conference, wasn't the best team in their conference, Iona was. A net ranking in the 120s to 130s, you know, zero quad one or quad two wins. And I think Troy made a great point a couple days ago on, on the show that what they've done is way more impressive than what UMBC did beating Virginia as a 16th seed. Because listen, a lot of times 16 seeds, 15 seeds, 14 seeds can be underseeded. And that's just one game. To do it twice is absurd. But listen, Jaden Ivey, Purdue, they're too good. Right now, Bet Rivers, Purdue, 12.5 point favorites, minus 109. St. Peter's, plus 12.5, minus 112, minus 1,000 for the Purdue money line, uh, plus 600 for St. Peter's, a total 134 over minus 107 and under minus 113. Uh, I, I just have a lean in this game. It's Purdue. I think this smells like a 25-point 20, win. I think St. Peter's will be in this game for a few minutes. And then Purdue's size and their outside shooting ability. And, of course, Jay Nivey uh, will take over. And this game could be a blowout even in the first half. The game of the weekend for me so far of the eight Sweet 16 games is Providence. I know that line is kind of volleyballing around. 
Eight and seven and a half at Bet Rivers right now. Kansas minus seven and a half, minus one ten. Providence plus seven and a half, minus one ten. Money line Kansas three thirty five, minus three thirty five. Uh, Providence on the comeback plus two sixty five, and the total one forty one and a half over minus one hundred eight, under minus one twelve. Providence can make the final four. This is a, a Kansas team is a one seed, and it's always great being a one seed. You're a top four, five team in the country, but maybe the worst that Bill Self's had when he's been there. Abaji's amazing. Uh, you know Kansas will get their points in the paint. But Providence can shoot the ball. They can turn you over. And this is easily my play of the weekend. Uh, I got it at plus eight, but seven and a half I'm fine with. Uh, so I just think the Friars are undervalued. I think Ed Cooley is a great coach. And I think uh, you've got a great chance to see Providence win this game outright. So that's where I'm at with the Friars. Uh, UNC-UCLA should be a great game. UCLA right now minus two. And Bet Rivers minus 110. Uh, the Tar Heels plus two, minus 109. Moneyline UCLA minus 134. Carolina plus 114. Over uh, 141 and a half, minus 107. Under minus 113. I do have no leads on any of the totals so far. Obviously, I would have told you if I did. I just think they're kind of right where they're supposed to be. So no leads on those. But I love UCLA. That's probably my third favorite pick of the eight Sweet 16 games. UNC has been great. Uh, ribbing themselves to the tournament beating Baylor in a game they almost gave away. UCLA is a Final Four team that returns everybody. And beat my Wolverines last year in front of me. Uh, Juzang and just the way that team can swing the ball around the perimeter and, and bang in threes. I love them. I think UCLA is a great play. I don't mind laying the two. So that is probably my third biggest play of the, of the weekend. Arkansas was, you know, in the top three as well. And the final game, and I still don't know Iowa State's in the Sweet 16, but Miami of Florida has been a popular play with the Sharps. That lines up to now two and a half. It was at two. I know when a lot of my Sharp friends took it. Right now, Bet Rivers minus 114, Iowa State plus two and a half, minus 106 with the money line, Miami of Florida, minus 152. Comeback, Iowa State plus 128. And the total, 133 over minus 109, under minus 110. I like the... I like the Hurricanes. I mean, this is a, a tricky Iowa State team that's much like St. Peter's at a, at, a, at a different level. I don't know how they're they're in the final or the Sweet 16, and I can't believe Virginia Tech lost to them. Uh, but I definitely think Miami, we saw, we've seen what the Hurricanes have been able to do in their couple of tournament games, which is definitely, I mean, I, I thought if they got by USC, they could be interesting. And the fact they were able to get by USC and then beat a really good Auburn team and play this Iowa State team that, yes, beat an LSU team that their coach, Will Wade, got fired for the tournament started and then to take down Wisconsin. Iowa State's legit, but I think Miami of Florida is just better, and I like them minus the two and a half. But let's get, and it's, by the way, a trip to the Motown betting one I brought to you by our great friends at Bet Rivers. Please check out all the boosts they have, all the great different things they have each and every day at Bet Rivers, the March to Madness contests they're doing based on different tasks you have. Uh, as you go through uh, March Madness. So check that out for some great prizes. Uh, but let's t- talk about the Wolverines. And w- it's a team that we've discussed for the majority of the season until late that underachieved. That has, a, you know, a, an All-American lottery type pick player, Hunter Dickinson. Has future possible lottery picks in guys like Caleb Houston and Devontae Jones. They played pretty bad basketball for the better part of the first two months of the season. But then starting with that Purdue win and figuring out a way to rip Michigan State and beat Iowa and beat Ohio State on the road. And then, of course, you know, the the bad loss of the Big Ten tournament up by 17 against Indiana. They really were a team that looked like they could make a move. And, you know, it wasn't just me being a Michigan fan that was saying that to you. Juwan Howard had the issues, you know, after the Wisconsin game. I, I said how unacceptable that was. 
Phil Martelli comes and fills in. They had the big win against Rutgers. Of course, the loss against Illinois, Michigan just couldn't play good basketball, and they ripped Michigan State. Lost to Iowa, obviously, in a tough spot. Uh, as Michigan had played better on the road than they had a Chrysler for much of the season. They beat Iowa on the road just a couple weeks before that. Then, of course, beat the Buckeyes in a just dominant performance in Columbus. It's the first time they had won back-to-back games in Columbus since... Uh, 1997-98, the same year the Michigan football team won the national title. But you started to see what Houston was able to do. Devontae Jones, obviously, the concussion problems. That was a, you know an issue to see him be, be so banged up. Hunter Dickinson, when you look at what he's been able to do, you know going back in his, his last five games, basically averaging a double-double. He's a wrecking force on both in both posts. But tonight, it's one thing if the Wolverines had played their best and lost. Because Villanova's really good, and we, we talked about this the last couple of days on the show. They're kind of going under the radar in a way. Like they're one of the top eight teams in the country playing the Great Big Ten, or the Great Big East this year, with so many, you know, very talented teams that, you know, still some in the tournament, including, I mean, obviously Providence, but UConn and Creighton and Seton Hall and Marquette and Xavier. Even St. John's, you know, had some nice wins throughout the year. I mean, the only bad teams really were DePaul, Butler, and, and Georgetown. But Villanova gets you everywhere. Whether it's Gillespie, whether it's Samuels, whether it's Moore and Daniels and Dixon, we knew it was going to be a tough game. But if Michigan played their best and lost, I'm fine with that. And this is not to make any kind of excuses. Michigan played, you can't say terrible, because you still had Dickinson with a double-double. You know, you still had moments where Michigan was, you know, trying to find their way back in the game. Eli Brooks with three big triples. You know, you had Williams with some nice points on the bench at times. But when you shoot... Uh, 34% from the field, 21 to 61. When you shirt, why am I saying shirt? When you shoot 33% from downtown, when you literally are 50% at the free throw line, at one point they were one of five, and you miss, I don't know, 104 layups. Obviously, I'm using hyperbole here, but it seemed that way. It's like Michigan was trying to miss free throws and layups on purpose. Obviously, that's not the case, but that's what it seemed like it was going on. And that is just the worst way to lose a game. Because if Michigan had played just a little better, they might have won that game. Because Villanova had their issues. Villanova went and had scoring droughts. And part of that is due to Michigan playing good defense. But Michigan did themselves no favors in a game that was absolutely winnable. And that's the real frustrating thing if you're a Wolverine fan. You know... Let's just talk about how you would look at this season. Is it a success? Is it a failure? Is it somewhere in the middle? To me, the season was a failure. Not because Michigan lost to Villanova in the Sweet 16, but because they really did not get going until the end of the season as a consensus top five type of team, one of the favorites to get to the Final Four and win the national championship. It's very frustrating. There's uh, some really good things that were learned and some really bad things that were learned. The bad things are, is that Jawan Howard, as good of a coach as he's been, and as much as he, you know, the whole thing before the game, uh, you know, tonight, empty the tank, and and all the emotion he shows by hugging Jalen Rose and Chris Webber, that's great stuff. But the Wisconsin issues and seemingly... Some, some murmurs that there are some issues sometimes with him and some players. That's got to be cleaned up. Remember, this is his third year. 
I think the, the, the sky is the limit for Jawan Howard. But on the good side, what was learned is that Michigan has a ton of talent. And there's a lot more talent coming in. I mean, you look at the 2022 recruiting classes, guys that have signed letters of intent. You know, you've got a bunch of four stars, four and a half stars. Terrace Reed from Missouri. Jeff Howard from Brandon, Florida, IMG Academy. Doug McDaniel from Virginia. Greg Glenn, GG, from Fort Lauderdale. You know, you've got big men coming in. You know, Reed 6'10", because Dickinson's probably going to the draft. Howard 6'7". Glenn is 6'7", and then, of course, a point guard of Doug McDaniel, uh, who's about 5'11". But you've got, you know, kind of a nationally ranked 35th ranked player in Reed, 37th in Howard, you know, in the top 100 for McDaniel and Glenn. The recruits are there. The question is, can Howard develop them the way that Beeline did? And obviously, you know, Eli Brooks is going to be gone, but the upside and the future for Devontae Jones, who... You could see how talented the kid could be. And for Caleb Houston, who just was off at times this year, didn't trust himself. He had back-to-back 20-point games recently. You know the guy can take off and do a a tremendous amount of stuff uh, against a really top-level competition. But he just kind of wasn't there. And, you know... Those back-to-back 20-point games, by the way, were against Illinois and Rutgers uh, earlier in February. Had 16 against Michigan State, 11 against Iowa. Zero against the Buckeyes, by the way. Nine against uh, Indiana, 13 against Colorado State. Zero against Tennessee, and then five on an early three and not much else against Nova. The upside is huge. And Michigan will be a contender next year. And that's something, when you look at the Wolverines... And what they've been able to do for the last decade. They have basically as many wins as anyone else. Gonzaga's got one more when it comes to overall wins in the NCAA tournament going back 10 years. They have five straight Sweet 16s. That had never been done before by a Wolverine team. They're getting four and five star players. They're winning games in the tournament. They're beating good Big Ten teams. They are a team that has definitely become, and a program has definitely become, a higher level, not elite, but a higher-level basketball program. The question is, two title games in nine years. Can they get to one and win one? Because, you know, Michigan State, which has been a powerhouse for decades under Izzo, they've only got one title since 79. And Michigan actually has been more successful in national title game appearances recently than the Spartans have in the last 10 or so years. Can Michigan keep that going and stay at a high level and get back to Final Fours and get to title games and win them. That's going to be the big key under Jawan Howard. This year was a miss. This year was underachieving. This year was not a success. But in his first two years, absolutely. And then last year, with all the crazy COVID stuff, to be a three-pointer away from the Final Four in his second ever season was incredible. It's just, it's it sucks because... And if you're a Wolverine fan, you understand this. Even if you're a Spartan fan or just a fan of college basketball. It's, if you play your best or play close to that and lose, it's just, that's the way it is. Like, Michigan could have played as good as they wanted to in the title game in uh, 18 against Villanova. And it would have mattered. They would have, they would have lost because Villanova was too good with DiVincenzo and just the, the way they, they just were shooting the lights out. But to play as bad as Michigan did, 
and missed so many layups and missed the free throws. And they had so many, they were playing so bad and they were still in the game. And listen, there were points where they didn't play bad. Early in the game, stages early in the second half, there were, there were definitely moments where it seemed like Michigan was going to come back in this game. And they cut it to three. They cut it to five late when it had been nine or ten. But could not get over the hump. And that's what happens when you miss free throws. When you miss seven of four, uh, 14 free throws. When you shoot, 30, shoot 33. I keep saying shirt. I, maybe because I'm wearing a cool Michigan shirt. I don't know. When you shoot 33% from downtown and 33% basically from the field, that is not going to cut it. So it's tough and it sucks to go out that way. When yes, Michigan probably would have lost this game in many different situations. But if they had played their best tonight, like I had said all week, after they beat Tennessee, the way they were able to beat a great Tennessee team, they could have won this game. And they literally gave themselves very little chance of doing so because they played so bad and missed so many shots at so many inopportune times. So that's the wrap on the Michigan season. I still believe the future is bright. There's going to be a lot of fun times to watch in the future when it comes to, you know, Houston and Jones. And obviously Diabate is a force. Diabate should be, you know, he's not going to the draft. I, I sure would hope not. He's a freshman. There is a high ceiling on this team, but definitely a miss and an underachieving year in Jawan Howard's third. But he had two overachieving years, his first two. Just tough to see him go out that way. And listen, Villanova's good enough to win the whole thing. But the bottom line is Michigan dropped the ball figuratively and literally in a game that they definitely could have won had they played even just a grade better. I gave them a, a C-, basically, or at times a D plus. If they had played like a B and made some more free throws and layups, this could have been a totally different game. So it's not making excuses at all. I, I don't make excuses unless there is a legitimate excuse to be made, like a terrible call that is a game-changing call that there's no way you don't agree with it. Or, you know, like... Louisville, when Kevin Ware blew out his leg. And obviously, they still won the title. But, you know, if you lose one of your best players, like if Michigan had lost, God forsake, you know, for God forbid, Hunter Dickinson, like, uh, two weeks ago. That's one thing. There's no excuse. Yeah, Jones was banged up. There's no excuse for that. He's a freshman. He wasn't the heart and soul guy like Hunter Dickinson has been, and Eli Brooks has been. So, there's no excuse. But the Wolverines should have played better. And it's too bad that they didn't. This is not the way you want to go out. You want to go out, like Juwan said in his pregame speech, by emptying the tank. And the Wolverines were trying to empty the tank, but a lot of times, like, some shoes came out and tires and old Limburger cheese. So the tank wasn't officially emptied the way that it needed to be or the way that Juwan Howard wanted it to be. And that's too bad. And you feel for a guy like Dickinson, who has been a heart and soul guy and very likely is going, as I mentioned, to the draft. Actually, I wanted to take a look at the latest... um, Box. One of the best sites I, I like is uh, NBA Mock Draft, NBA Draft.net. And let's just see where they have Hunter Tickets and Slater right now. Of course, they still got Jaden Ivey and Jamari Smith going back and forth in the top two. And uh, Bonchero could be a piston at number three if that's where they select him. Or Chet Holmgren had a pretty bad game in the loss to Arkansas. How about Eric Musselman? The job he's done in Arkansas in three years. I think it's like 23, 25, 27 wins uh, around that in three years. And, and back to back Elite Eights. Just incredible. So when you look at where they've got, and there's a lot of different mock draft sites, obviously. But when you look at Dickinson, uh, I'm actually not even seeing him in the first round. And obviously a lot of this could change if he actually 
you know, uh, declares that he's going to the draft and he can just kind of look into things and not hire an agent. You know, that's what the rules are now. But it's possible he comes back. It'd be great if Dickinson came back, but I have a feeling he might uh, head to the draft. So we'll keep you abreast of all that. It's just very, very frustrating to see a team that's, you know, really started coming together and, you know, got back with their coach when Juwan Howard came back for the Big Ten tournament. Obviously a tough loss to Indiana, but re-rallied and got by Colorado State, a very tough team with David Roddy, and then got without that's without Jones, and then got by Tennessee, who's one of the hottest teams in the country. You know, this Michigan team, as I mentioned, the ceiling is high. Not what we wanted to see if you're a Wolverine fan with them going out uh, the way they did it and just playing bad basketball. Bad basketball against Villanova, a team you cannot do that to, one of the most fundamentally sound teams in the country. And as you heard on the broadcast, we were listening, uh, one of the best free throw shooting teams in the country. So even when Michigan was cutting it to five points late, it didn't really matter because they were going to make their free throws, uh, Villanova. And that's what happened in the 63-55 final. Unfortunately, I've got to send some Cody dogs to my man, Ryan Rothstein, who almost had a push, by the way, if Michigan had made that last three, uh, which would have been a meaningless three for the game, but it would have pushed the bet at five. Uh, and a frustrating loss for me because I liked Michigan plus the five. I thought they would at least cover the game. Um, but still, but I, I've had a really good record throughout the first two rounds and one on Arkansas. So we'll see where we're at as we continue to go through March Madness. All right, that's going to do it for me on this last post-game reaction show for the Wolverines basketball season. Of course, we'll talk about them a lot throughout the offseason. We'll have futures odds for them at Bet Rivers and Final Four odds. And of course, we have a lot more tournament to talk to as we work our way to New Orleans and the national title game, and of course, the Final Four before that, and then the national champion will be crowned in early April in New Orleans. All right, until next time, keep reaching for the stars. Believe in the dream. Dan Leach saying, have a brilliant weekend. For all you Wolverine fans, keep your head high. Spartan fans, a little lower, but, you know, both these teams will be back, and we'll have much more college hoops Fun uh, times to talk about on both sides, the Spartans and the Wolverines right here on the Detroit CityCast. Until then, Dan Leach, the Squatch, saying be safe out there. So long, I'm out.